though, just to our left. Keep Casper back, I warned Bear. He obligingly ordered the dog to leave it, and I noted somewhere in the back of my mind that Casper followed the command immediately. The dog was coming along, no question. I moved closer to Phantom's find and knelt next to the body of a large white-tailed doe. Based on the rate of decomp, she'd been killed at least a day ago. Anger grew like fire in my belly at sight of the wound in her side. Not only had she been shot off-season, but the jackass who'd done it hadn't even cared enough to follow up, find her, and finish the job. I looked around. I'd expected to find Phantom with the deer, but she was nowhere to be seen. I guess we know what scent she was following, Bear said, forehead furrowed. I'll call the ranger. Let him know he's got a poacher out here. I looked around. If Phantom had found what she was looking for, where was she now? I couldn't hear her bell anymore. Bear scanned the thick woods, rain dripping from his shaggy dark hair. I glanced at the doe one more time, for the first time noticing a key piece of information I'd missed before. The swollen teats of a nursing mother. There, Bear said. He pointed into a stand of spruce and pine, and I caught sight of a black and tan tail whipping through the underbrush. I moved forward, Bear and Casper beside me. The woods smelled of overripe berries and fresh earth, but the scent of blood beneath it made my heart go still. Bear's face was tense, no hope in his green eyes. He'd been in this business long enough to know the likelihood of what we'd find. Ahead of us, I saw Phantom move carefully into the underbrush until her head and muzzle had disappeared. I watched as the dog lay down, settling her aging bones on the cold, wet ground. At eight years old, she's coming up on retirement age, something I've been doing my best to avoid thinking about. Her head reappeared as she twisted to look at me, wet brown eyes meeting mine. She barked again, twice just in case I hadn't heard her the first time. The second alert always seems a little patronizing to me, like she suggested I might be slow on the uptake for not getting there sooner. She turned back to whatever was in the brush and crawled forward until she was half swallowed by the bushes herself. I lay down on my belly beside her and inched in, ignoring the thorns that tore at my cheeks and hair or the mud that drenched my front focused instead on the animal I was sure I would find. Well, hello there, I said quietly when I finally caught sight of her. A young fawn speckled with white, caught in blackberry brambles and too tuckered to fight any longer. The fawn flailed at sight of me, letting out a pitiful bleat, then stilled when Phantom whimpered and ran her tongue over the deer's tawny fur in long, leisurely strokes. The fawn calmed, focused on Phantom now. I crept in further. Good girl, Fan, I said. Good find. It took just under twenty minutes to get the fawn untangled once we'd found her. In the meantime, we found her brother farther in the brush also alive, both were scraped up and plenty scared, but there were no broken bones. That didn't mean they were home free, of course. 
I've seen plenty of animals succumb to shock after something like this, when they seemed just fine. Still, it was a start. I'd offered Phantom the knotted rope she usually gets after a successful search, but she turned up her nose at it. She was too concerned with her new charges to play games. From here, our destination was Windfall Island, formerly Payson Isle, an island ten miles off the coast of Maine. The island had been very generously donated by Erin Solomon, a reporter who had inherited the place and assured me she never, ever, wanted to set foot on its shores again, after the drama she'd faced there several months ago. Call it Fantasy Island and hire a couple of guys decked out in white suits and bad accents for all I care. The place is yours now, she told me in our last conversation. Thus, Windfall Island was born. There, barren